This is a car show, but it's also more because cars connect us to every part of our lives. Families, careers, hobbies, and adventures we never expected. So you should have a car you love. And we're here to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to be back. We were actually out of town last week. We were in California shooting Maseratis. Maseratis. <laughs> you love saying it, it, and you do a great job saying it. <laughs> if you haven't seen it already, the Maserati Grecale, that is their Macan, slightly smaller than a Cayenne competitor. That is actually on the Test Drive channel. We have more Maserati content coming up soon. But it was interesting to be back in L.A., because it was snowing here. In fact, we got seven inches mm-hmm. one day we were there. And in L.A., we were in convertibles and T-shirts. We drove the Trofeo version of that Gricale, which means it has mm-hmm. the Netuno engine based on the MC20, 523 horsepower, 457 pound-feet of torque. It was fast. <laughs> it had an Italian badge on it. You liked it a lot. It you had the pickle fork on it. Yes. It was awesome. That is playing, as Todd said. And then we also drove the Gran Turismo and the MC20 mm-hmm. all in one week. It was crazy. And we actually, here's the thing, we also had another car on the schedule that fell out. So we ended up with a free Friday morning in Los Angeles, which I don't even know the last time that's happened. So we ran up to something we've only heard about. Matt Fair is gone forever. This great guy, Jay, and his wife, Nicole, started this thing called the Good Vibes Car Club. Okay. And it's up at Newcomb's Ranch, up Highway 2, which is this amazing. It's been a, a cafe forever. It's currently closed. They started this really cool car club that happens every Friday morning. And I have followed it kind of at a distance for years and thought it'd be cool to go sometime. And this trip, we happened to be there Friday morning. We actually followed Matt Farah up, who was in a very, very powerful one-off 911. Well, we ran into him shooting our other Maseratis. Yes. And he was in the test car, the Gunther Works turbo car. Man, so oh, said, man. hey, come on up. So we followed him up and joined everybody that came. Yeah. Ran into Mike V in Redondo Beach. Shout out to Mike. Yeah. He came over and introduced himself. Mike, really nice to meet you. Thank you for all your support watching and listening to yeah. the podcast. He's driving a black E39 M5, so we saw his car. It was really nice to meet people there. It was very cool. Also, just hang out. Look yeah, at was, all the cars. It was so great. And, and everybody there, I mean, it, it's called the Good Vibes Car Club. You would hope it lives up to that, and it actually exceeds that. The range of cars was amazing. I also met Victor and Arvin and Hunter and many other people. So many people just stopped us and said, hey, it's you guys. Now, I will also say... <laughs> the vibes were good. Totally. I will also say that we had come to film things, and the only jacket I'd brought because I knew we were going to be on camera <laughs> right. in a convertible, was my everyday driver jacket. I don't normally wear that around, but it's me <laughs> it's with branded. the hair and the branding, and you were wearing a jacket and a cap, so yeah. we were pretty easy to recognize. We had some really cool conversations. Thank you guys for, for watching and listening. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, actually, today and watching and listening. We're glad to be back with you. We have Car Debate. We have a Topic Tuesday. There is so much going on. The 2025 Porsche Macan world premiere is this week, premiering in mm. Singapore. Interesting. The top trim level will apparently have 600 plus horsepower. And it's an EV. And it's an EV. We're going Mm -hmm. to discuss this on the next episode. So I'm looking forward to watching this big hoopla world premiere. Speaking of next episodes, we also have our next episode on our main original YouTube channel. The Everyday Driver YouTube channel has a big comparison coming out. We actually think it's coming out Friday now. There's a lot of work to do on it still. So it's going to come out Friday. So next episode you hear from us, it'll be coming out that day. That is... The Nismo Z, the Dark Horse Mustang, and the Supra. What's interesting about this comparison is you probably already know this, but the Nismo Z is only available with an automatic transmission. Yes. We paired the other two cars, and they also 
are only automatic transmissions. So three automatic we thought brought transmissions yes. for all three sports cars. That way it was a level playing field. Mm-hmm. And we drove that uh, late 2023. So yeah. we're, we're thrilled to finally introduce that comparison quite uh, interesting conclusions interesting conclusions lots of we had a lot of fun with it it was it was a winter piece we had there's like bits of snow on the ground we hadn't been nailed yet i mean we're still able to drive winter. on summer tires yes which is for good, sure so it's, it's actually still. a really cool piece some good video some, some great scenery so i can't wait to share that with you that'll be friday hear that believe it or not summer is just around the corner Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Winter is here, and that means it's time to check your windshield wipers. I'm sure you've noticed that old wipers leave streaks across your windshield and simply fail to wipe away the snow, sleet, or rain, which leads to bad visibility. Look to PowerClear wiper blades from our friends at PowerStop. Since 1995, PowerStop has brought performance brake upgrades to nearly every vehicle on the road, and we've enjoyed their brakes on many of our own cars. Now, PowerStop is bringing affordable safety upgrades to more than just brakes. PowerClear wiper blades feature RealView advanced rubber technology to bring you streak-free, long-lasting visibility in all weather conditions. Forget fussing around with adapters or sizes and trying to figure out which blade kit works for your car. Each wiper blade kit includes the exact size driver and passenger side wipers you need with vehicle-specific attachments. Plus, PowerClear wipers come with a really cool built-in wear indicator so you know when they have to be replaced. This product is rolling out now, so head over to PowerClearWipers.com to learn more and ensure your vehicle is winter ready. Today's Topic Tuesday comes to us from John S., who writes to us about the fun-to-worry ratio. Mm -hmm. He asks, is there an optimal power for the road? And I'm glad you brought this up, John, because when we ran into Matt, we also ran into Zach Clapman. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was with Matt shooting that Gunther car and another car as well. And I just happened to be getting into conversation with Zach, who said... He thought, Zach, I'm quoting you here, buddy, 400 horsepower was about optimal for the road. It just kind of came up because we were talking about the Gunther Works car mm-hmm. and how it had 800 horsepower with billet block uh-huh. on the car. Yeah. It was about $250,000 worth of engine. Of engine. The engine that looked car. like artwork and happened to be <laughs> like 800 plus horsepower on 100 octane, which means it was down to the mid sevens on pump gas. And didn't he say it weighed like 2,600 pounds? Yeah. I mean, that means- Rear wheel drive, 911, turbo. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're talking about roughly the weight of a GR86 at almost four times the power. Four times the power. John writes, how many times have I said, Paul has said, I would always take more power. Mm -hmm. With more and more EVs being made, each with a bit more power, when is it time to say enough is enough? Mm. Several years ago, John bought a manual 09 base Cayman that he drove for three years, had 265 horsepower and a little bit of torque, which meant below 4,000 RPM, it was kind of slow. My Cayman, my first Cayman was yeah, kind of slow. Yeah. My current Cayman is not an off the line kind of a car. True, true. Everybody thinks, oh, Porsche, you're the quickest thing. It's really not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of supercars and hypercars, it's it's pretty slow. I mean, it's at the top end when the engine winds out and you're you know you're kind of moving, but it's built for canyon driving. That's what John discovered. It was fun. He drove it hard all the time and thought many times, this has the perfect amount of power for road use. Mm. 
Reading about the Cayman Online, many people praise the S version for its increased power and torque. So after a year of grazing classifieds, he found the perfect spec 2009 Cayman S manual with lower miles than his base Cayman. He also wanted Sport Chrono with the Sport button, so he got that. And he's been driving this S, this Cayman S, for about six months now, and he has got several observations. <laughs> okay. Like the base Cayman, he says it has sublime handling, and in that regard, isn't really an upgrade. In normal mode, the S has considerably more power that is delivered in a far more linear fashion than the base car, okay. meaning it picks up speed at an alarming rate. He finds that he's got to pay close attention to the number in the middle of the tack to prevent unintentional triples. Mm-hmm. That might be a new one, John. Yes. Unintentional Instead triples. Instead of daily triples, <laughs> unintentional triples. Whoops. It happened again. Did it the, happen the, again? The t-shirt art's got a little uh, red and blue lights on it somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. He didn't suffer from that problem, the unintentional triple problem with the base model. And he said it's exacerbated in sport mode because it's razor sharp with mm-hmm. the smallest touch mm-hmm. of throttle making large changes in velocity. He's still getting used to the car after six months, so he feels this will settle down, but it makes him wonder if the S, with its weight of just under 3,000 pounds, 2950, and 320 horsepower, is that close to the upper limit of fun on regular roads? Mm. He has to say that trading up from base to S has allowed him to experience different flavors of ice cream. Not really. Yeah. I have to say, all you really did was you probably have gotten some sauce on top, but it's the same ice cream. <laughs> right, just a little okay. bit of yeah, anyway, drizzle. Yeah. He says, each of the engines has a unique and amazing characteristic. His close friend is trading his C8 Corvette for the E-Ray and going from about 500 horsepower to 650 in the E-Ray. Yeah. Many EVs are going beyond 1,000 horsepower. John cannot imagine the fun-to-worry ratio of driving that on regular roads based on his own experience of going from 265 to 320 horsepower Hmm. in his 987.2 Cayman. He says he might be a counter-fashion kind of a guy, but even now he's thinking if he were to move on from his Cayman, he would probably choose the lightest car he could find, Hmm. like a Miata, or if he's adventurous or courageous... And Elise. Uh, John, you are my people. (laughs) You are my people. I love it. That's good. (laughs) He believes that would further optimize the fun to worry ratio. This is so good, John. It always comes up in every single one of our reviews. Yes. I do like more power. And 400 horsepower, even that is a lot. My Cayman with 340 Mm -hmm. is a lot. I keep thinking like, man, wouldn't a GT4 be nice? Wouldn't a GT4 RS be nice? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is the answer. But 340, my car is not slow. Agreed. Agreed. My Lotus has 180, okay? (laughs) But it weighs 2,000 pounds. It does. It weighs 2,000 pounds, 180, 190 horsepower. And because it's so light, that's what makes the difference. The GR86 is less than 3,000 pounds. It has just over 200. The Miata has less than 200. It is a power to weight question. But John, here's the flip side. I want to speak to the the, the counter argument because I mostly agree with you and I want to unpack it further. But I want to speak to the counter argument before I defend your thoughts, John. And that is you have to understand that there is an entire car culture and whole parts of the world where corners are not a factor in their driving. That's true. Just based on their geography, based on how the roads were made, based on the culture of motorsports that they grew up in. Corners are not the point. And the point is, how fast can I go that way in a straight line? Yeah. Yeah. And when I wind up on the freeway and the guy comes up next to me and thinks he's he's bad, I'm going to show him who really has the power here. 
That is an entire car culture. And we have interacted with plenty of people that watch our show or listen to this show who they are about power. They still understand our concept, but their whole life is structured around I need a car with more power than the last one I had. Or I'm taking my current car and I'm adding power. So that exists and it will never go away. But the minute you add corners... There's a difference because mm-hmm. now you are throwing down power between corners. But I'm going to go one further. I'm going to come back, but I'm going to go one further because I do think that the average usable power for a road car is around 300 horsepower. And if I want to be like not only just usable, that's enough, go to the place where it's like, oh, that's plenty. Oh, maybe that's too much. It's depending on the weight of the car between three and 400 horsepower. But beyond 400 horsepower, here's what happens. How often are you using full throttle? One of the things I like about the Elise, my original FRS, the GR86, every Miata we've ever driven, the Fiesta ST, I'm listing low-power cars here. What I like is the amount of time I get to spend with my foot buried against the firewall. Mm. Now, Mm. I enjoy that. I enjoy feeling like I'm using everything the car can give. I know there are a lot of people out there that want to be able to just breathe on the throttle and pass everybody. When we had a Hellcat Challenger years ago, I commuted. I bombed past everybody I could find on I-80, and I barely used more than 10% of throttle because that big bruiser had so much. Beyond 400 horsepower, here's my theory, and there will be no way to back this up, but beyond 400 horsepower, I think if we could actually measure and chart over the life of all the more powerful vehicles, how often they actually are being driven with the foot to the floor, I bet you it's about 1% of their lifespan of the car. It's a good point. Because it's got so much power. And and I think here's the other thing that perpetuates it. People like to have the mid-range, like just off where their foot is at rest, that mid-range is super powerful. They don't want to wait this is one of the great things about EVs. You don't wait. You, you breathe on the accelerator and you're gone. Or cars with a lot of power, when they're hanging out at 3,000 RPM and red line is seven, you breathe on the accelerator. It's got a lot of power right now. That's how people use it. It's the mm-hmm. surge move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the, I'm on brake now. I'm on all the gas now. Most people don't drive that way. And I bet you a lot of power to most people isn't getting used. That's really good. John, since you brought up the Cayman, I like it as a really excellent example of what everybody said. Ooh, the baby brother can never have more power than the 911. Remember that? When mm-hmm. the Cayman and Boxster mm-hmm. came out, it was like, ooh, Porsche, what are you doing? Cannibalizing sales? Why would you do that? And forever, the Cayman has slowly inched along just under 911 levels of power. Yep. Today's GT4 RS has more power than all of the 997 versions of the 911 with the exception of the GT3 cars. Interesting point. Hadn't thought about that it. That Cayman terms. is more powerful, faster, and theoretically better than all of those 911s. Hmm. Okay. All right. Oh, Keep going. So it's happened. The Cayman didn't just remain baby brother. Mm. It's now at a, le- a well, it's competing at a different racing class. Sure. Yeah. But as far as, as, far as power levels, whew, we're pretty much comparable. Now, the 911 has grown in power over the years, too. Of course. Yeah. 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 But wow, baby brother, that you, you can't really use that terminology anymore. You notice that that mm-hmm. kind of went away. Mm-hmm. The Cayman is so capable and so good, and you're experiencing that. But I've also noticed EVs. I haven't really come across, I, I could be lazy in my observation, but I haven't really come across EVs that are sold or advertised based on horsepower numbers. Can you think of an EV that's based on 
we're advertising blank amounts of horsepower. It's zero to 60. It's, it's speed. Zero to 60 and mm-hmm. amenities. Usually it's range. For EVs, the yeah, big deal is range. It's range and zero to 60. You're right. Those are the primary things because the horsepower is so difficult to really quantify. Yeah. yeah. The third thing, I suppose, would be charge times. That's sure. always yeah. the manufacturer. Hey, it's based on an 800-volt architecture. So that means, theoretically, if you've got a 350-kilowatt charger near you, <laughs> 18 minutes of full charge from 10% back up to 80% charge. That yep. sounds great in an ad. It does. That makes people go, hmm. I could make that work really Charging easy. is suddenly fast. And then you've got to catch yourself and think, now, what's my closest 350 kilowatt charger? If you're in mm-hmm. Europe, you're fine. <laughs> if you're in North America, you're not fine. <laughs> I could charge it while I'm in Starbucks. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. So no, you're not really getting all of that, that, uh, that speed in charging. But nobody ever has really advertised any EV, to my knowledge, this has a thousand horsepower. Come buy this EV because it's got all the power. What happens though is when they start talking, but this is this has happened. It's not the ones they're selling; it's the ones they're promising. That's when the crazy number <laughs> yes. comes up. Because Which like continues. the Tesla Roadster Ugh. or any of the other people that have promised a super high power electric sports car, they always do the back of the napkin, back of the you know the book math, and they say, well, it's going to have a, a, a motor for each wheel. And each of those wheels is going to be 500 horsepower, so it's a 2,000 horsepower car. All, all of the concepts always have a huge number advertised. It's when they actually come out, you're right, then they start to sell them with 0 to 60 in range. I mean, it should be like 0 to your funeral in 1.9 seconds. Yes. It's so quick. It has so much power. You're going to turn your insides out. Literally, it's, it's not going to be fun or comfortable. The quicker you go, it, it doesn't really matter. It's it's not fun. <laughs> Zero to death. <laughs> but how how does a car manufacturer, without advertising more power for gas cars, make it seem better? Well, this model has mm-hmm. a slight increase in power. This is the new model. And we've got more power. And sure, a little bit better fuel economy. But we're not really going to talk about fuel economy. We're going to talk about more power because that's what fun car enthusiasts want is the more power. Yep. But car enthusiasts for EVs aren't really looking at the horsepower. Like I have 1500 horsepower. Like, okay, (laughs) I don't really care. And I don't even see it coming back with sports car EVs, whatever future cars those are. I don't see them being advertised based on a power number. They're going to be based on, well, it's light. Zero to 60 in two seconds. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't care. Two seconds. That's just going to hurt. I'm going to do that once and instantly regret it. People don't. Here's Zero to regret in (laughs) 1.9 seconds. Totally. Here's the thing that I think most of us forget. If if you drive any car that can do zero to 60 in less than five, less than five now. Which seems slow in the modern day. Exactly. There's SUVs that can do that That easily. That is a near overwhelming experience from the driver's seat. Yeah, yeah, it's fast. My my point being, about halfway through that acceleration moment, you're going to wonder if it was a good idea. That's what I mean. Questioning life choices. It's near overwhelming, okay? (laughs) So that's the thing you have to understand. We we throw around these numbers like, oh, zero to 60 and two. To your point, Paul, I don't want to do that. Yes, and now drag races have taken over the internet, and therefore the drag race. The quicker car means it's better. And EVs <laughs> will just continue to proliferate and take all. Mm. When are we going to get down to such minutia of two EVs that are so quick, they're practically neck and neck, and we'll need to see a photo finish to figure out which one finished mm, mm. first. And both drivers will never want to do that again. <laughs> I they'll be so You're quick. Right. And You're right, yeah. what will everybody say? Well, that was more fun. 
ah, I, I can't say that. But for car manufacturers, unless you have the new number, yeah, yeah, the more power. Mm-hmm. Now with 320 horsepower, yeah. now with 400, you don't want the old janky model. That's yeah. no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mainly because we're not building anymore. We can't make any more money off of it. So mm-hmm. the new one, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the one we want. It's got the more, the better, the yep. whatever. Yep. But consumers are very savvy. They want not just the more. They want it to be better. Why, mm-hmm. why should mm-hmm. I invest money? Why should I trade that one in or sell it to get the new one? What is that, that going to do for me? And sports car enthusiasts, all of you listening, super car enthusiasts are really savvy. Because mm-hmm. if there's not a point to trade up... Because I get a better infotainment, I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. My phone still connects, or just upgrade the system yeah, yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah. What am I getting out of that car? What? Why? Maybe it's compelling. Maybe it, the manufacturer truly has it has given all of us a new reason mm. to upgrade. That's getting tougher for manufacturers to do. So it's not just about power in the future for sports cars. That's why the GR86 is so successful and popular. It did have more power, mm-hmm. but we started with a low number, but they still kept the car light, mm-hmm. lightweight. I think for that reason, lightweighting will always be the thing you can lead with, the thing manufacturers can always lead with. It doesn't matter whatever the new model. If if it's lighter, that's always a win. It is, and that's one of the things I feel like is so easily forgotten among manufacturers and even buyers right now is that when you get into something truly light, it is a totally different driving experience. And I I do wonder about this constant chase for bigger numbers. But the other problem, though, is, and you spoke a little bit about marketing, we want the bragging rights. We want the bragging rights whether we've experienced what the car can do or not. No, that's the thing. You just want the manufacturer to go along and figure it out for me. The average person wants the bragging rights but doesn't want to have to do it. They want to be able to have the bar fight without the bar fight. They want to stay in there and go, yeah, but I just got more power than you do. Who cares? To do what with? If you're not using it and you're not enjoying it. I remember I heard a story years ago. There was a guy in the U.S. here, and I remember I ran into people doing this documentary, and I don't know if it ever came out. There was a guy that had one of the first Koenigsegg Agera R's in the U.S. Okay? Crazy. It's like a 250 or 60-mile uh, car. Crazy. And he, this owner was spending, and I'm going to get some of this story wrong, but this is what I remember of it. He was spending money to use that stretch in Nevada that's always done for high-speed runs to prove the top speed of this car, and he had hired a documentary crew to film it. And I was How re- long ago was this? This was, uh, this was five, six years ago at least, okay. Okay? okay? so But I remember talking to the documentary crew about it, and of course they were taking it very seriously, and I asked them what I felt as a driver was the obvious question. So is he doing it? And the answer was, oh, gosh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. He's hired this driver to take his car up to the top speed. And I was like, okay, but but then all you've done is buy this car that has bragging rights. You can talk about how fast and rare and awesome it is. And then paid somebody to drive it to that speed so you can have video proof so you just have bragging rights. And I'm sitting here going, the entire experience of that got missed. Mm-hmm. But you can mm-hmm. brag, this car I have in my driveway went 200 and whatever. In the same way you can brag, I've never used more than 10% of throttle in my Hellcat, but you know how much power it's got? <laughs> Who cares? These cars, besides being amazingly desirable things, they also do stuff. Yeah. And if I yeah. can't get to use what it does... With some sort of, look, I understand even in the Lotus or the GR86 or whatever, I can't go full throttle everywhere. I can't. The world isn't designed this way. It doesn't work that way. But if I can't regularly feel like I'm using some of the capacity of the item I built, I don't understand why I bought it. 
Now, That's a great maybe point. I'm weird, but I feel like that across the board. If I can't use what it claims it does, why did I get that? <laughs> Although, counterpoint, in racing, if you ask yourself, why have I never won any races? I can't even get close to the lead. Well, that's because your car is slow. You need more power. Fine. Oh. But racers are always, always buried <laughs> against the, the firewall. True. But John, what if car manufacturers were kind of good? And it seems like there's many models that are pretty good on power. Like, do we need to keep chasing power? Not really. So what else does the car do for that mm. buyer? Is it lighter? The new model is lighter. Oh, we use some composites this time. Oh, we use some new materials and new manufacturing methods. And we actually incorporated some aero. And for those reasons only, we didn't increase the power, mm -hmm. but we got better performance out of not increasing the power and just doing a few different things. Now that's interesting. That could be a compelling reason to upgrade. It's fascinating. And I agree with that. The problem is I think the average consumer equates lighter with cheaper. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. They're, and they're not they're not equivalent. I couldn't but, agree but, more. But they they hear oh, this car yes. got lighter. Oh, what's it? Oh, did they make it cheaper? Is it is it flimsier now? It's no flimsier. It's better than it was. It, that they made it lighter. No, no, I can't. I don't want the lighter version. During my furniture design career, I worked with a guy who used to head up the design for Black and Decker, and they primarily focused on faucets. But for Home Depot, they would use something called the loss leader. All of you have heard of the loss leader mm -hmm. kind of product. Yeah, yeah. For Home Depot, it's a it's a generic design and it's a loss leader kind of product that gets you into some of the higher products or they sell so many of them that eventually it turns a profit. He said he went to Home Depots and watched customers heft one of the faucets in the box. Amazing. And kind of weigh it in their hand and go, okay, hmm. And then pick up a competitor and they would inevitably choose the faucet that weighed more. It, well, this one feels heavier, <laughs> so therefore that must mean it's better. It's more substantial, quality. Yeah. more quality. Yes. yes. Actually, it's a cheaper metal, and they had to use less expensive tooling and manufacturing methods, and it just kind of made it heavier. Yeah. It's almost like faucet made out of pot metal, practically. Yeah. <laughs> a little polish and nickel plating. Heavy, heavy, and, heavier and sloppier, you know, but you know, at least it's heavier. Pretty much. Yeah. And he said he would watch customer mm. after mm. customer buy mm. the heavier faucet. And he's like, no, no. Yeah. What if you handed somebody a faucet made out of carbon fiber and titanium? Be like, nah, this feels flimsy and cheap. It's yeah. too light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that translate too much in car buying? Because if the manufacturer comes out the next year and says, we've done nothing else except lightweight the car, all of us enthusiasts will be like, rejoice. But I think in general, they'd sell fewer. Everybody else would be like, you didn't increase the power? How come you didn't increase the power? Because yeah. we wanted an increase in power. Yeah. It's a mindset without the experience of driving, I feel like. So there's always got to be that incremental kind of mm -hmm. sales point. Mm. It's not just more power for the sake of it. It's we got to have something to sell. Mm -hmm. Hey, this one has a bump in power. Don't you want to upgrade? <laughs> we got to give the marketing people something to write about. Do All we the not? technology you want, which means it's heavier. But you know what? A bump in power. So it actually has a slightly <laughs> faster zero to 60 and that we can put on a poster. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But inevitably cars are getting heavier because more tech. Yeah. Yep. The wiring harnesses themselves are more complex. Yep. The more weight of just wires, the, the harness itself is heavier mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. going into the car. The tech that's going into it weighs more. So it's it's a bit of a challenge for car manufacturers to make something compelling, to pull money out of customers' wallets, to say, you know what? It is worth you to switch brands or upgrade this model rather than keeping what you've got. 
But you upgraded, John. You upgraded from mm-hmm. lower power to higher power. Mm-hmm. I think you're enjoying it more. But what is the right number? We cannot say definitively because True. it depends on the car. The right number for Elise's is 190. <laughs> We're good. Do you even lament the lack of supercharger on your car, Todd? No. I mean, here's the thing. I've driven the supercharged one. The factory supercharged one actually helps the power down low feel like the power on the second cam. And that would be nice, but it doesn't make it a bunch more powerful. And I know people that are like, I have a, I have a 400 horsepower exceed. I'm like, why? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Because I th- and I think why is because theoretically either A, you're bragging rights, or B, you're genuinely trying to be competitive on track. And you can, run out, you can run out of power on, on track with an Elise or an exceed, but on the road? Here's the thing. I've said this to everybody. The car doesn't feel as powerful as you expect when you see it or climb into it when it's off of second cam. That is from z- zero... RPM to 6,6500, okay? But from 6,500 to 8,500, it's on second cam, and then it is every bit as powerful as the average person expects it to be, and it has that tiny little horsepower number. Mm -hmm. The supercharger just makes the whole power band feel like the second cam, and that'd be nice, but ultimately I'm not getting a more powerful car, and being in second cam is where the fun is in the car anyway. I've had people tell me, well, you know, but I'm really trying to get my Elise to 400 horsepower. I'm just like, buy a different car. That's just not, that doesn't make any sense you're going to wind up around a tree <laughs> by a gunther works something yeah there you go john i can only point the fingers at me because i am susceptible do i want more power yes i do but then i really have to think i love the corvette that yeah, that yeah, yeah. belongs to the show that we have mm-hmm. 500 horsepower is a tasty number the z06 has 700 what am I going to do with that? And how often do we even actually floor, full throttle that current Corvette? And Not often. Yeah. And unless we're on a racetrack, we're not flooring. We're not using all that power. Do I want that Artura? Yes, I do. Mm. But I like it for other reasons, for its exotic looks, for its doors, mm-hmm. for its handling amazingness, for the materials, for the, that tactility through the wheel. I do love it for many reasons. The 661 horsepower, somewhere in that neighborhood, is kind of a bonus. I mean, when you really get into it, it's like, <laughs> we're not, oh, we're that's not complaining. Right. Yeah, that, that's good. That's stuff. where yeah. my money went. It's like, oh, yep. that that does taste good, but I'm not looking at it like I want it because I want to be faster than everybody else. I don't, I don't really care. Like, mm-hmm. I'll be a little bit slower and have more fun. So, what's the right power number? Cayman's 400 is a nice range. I mean, the GT4 S with 500 is delightful, but it's used for GT4 class racing. I, I do get it. Yeah. Four to 500, maybe 500 is uh, kind of up there. Five, 500 in that nearly 4,000, that's like 36, 3,700 pound uh, Corvette is a lot of power. That's a lot of power. Anytime you yeah. put all of it down, it is an event. It, it's, it's not like, is something happening? It's very clear. There's power there. Yeah, It's hey. a thing. I, and, and I do. there's no way to measure this, but I, I really do think if the average person that likes driving was somehow tasked with using full throttle as much as possible in their daily life, nobody would buy anything over 400 horsepower. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Whatever car you're looking for, and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listing sites online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, not just your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure to never miss a thing. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Auto Tempest is now the official sponsor of all of our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or just browsing so you can see what's available, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Auto Tempest. All the cars. One search. Tom is writing in from Kansas City with a fantastic headline that I'm going to get to in a second. He found us because his son-in-law actually follows the show and has, has actually loaned us cars and been on our trips with us. So, Aaron, shout out to you, man. But Tom is writing in, and Tom, I'm, I'm sorry because I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Either you're going to find this podcast or your son-in-law is going to find this. <laughs> and now, Tom, your wife is going to hear this podcast when I give the title of your email, which is that you hate your wife's car. Maybe he's already told her. I maybe not. Yeah. Well, if not, surprise. But yeah. maybe it's better for let's, let's follow through somebody else to deliver the bad news. Maybe it just hurts less. Mm-hmm. You and I are here to unpack this reality. He's he's a retired guy, former marketing and ad guy in the Kansas City area. He's owned thirty six cars in his life. Some of them have been quite mundane, but some cool ones in here too. A sixty four Impala SS. Uh, 75 Fiat 124 Spider. Uh, there's a T-Bird Coupe in here. There's a 93 Corvette 40th Anniversary, an early Audi TT, a Cayman S, uh, 07 Corvette Z06. That's a great car. An 08 BMW 3, uh, 535XI, a 2011 Cayenne S. I want to come back to that. A 2017 Mercedes SL 450. That is before they actually changed to the GL for all of their SUVs. Even a 21 Wrangler. Currently, his daily driver is a 2023 Audi RS5 Sportback. His son-in-law insisted he get the RS, and his son-in-law was right. I like how so he's he, throwing shade on his son-in-law. Yes, there. he does. Well, this is what happens. <laughs> this, this is how life works. Anyway, so he loves that Audi RS5 Sportback, but the problem is that a few times a year, they do road trips from Kansas City to Boulder, and they don't take the RS5. They take his wife's 2020 Lexus Egg, the RX350. And he said, look, we got luggage and a dog and a guitar and they're loaded to the gills. The Audi simply wouldn't work. But he really, really hates that car. My favorite sentence in this entire email, because I read it wrong the first time. (laughs) He said he's decided it's a semi. And I'm like, it's a what? It's not that big. No, no, no. He means semi-comfortable, semi-quiet, semi-okay to drive, semi-practical, semi-economical, semi-equipped from the, <laughs> with technology. He just It's just not really what it should be. It's disappointing, and I hate to say it, but um, to your wife, uh, he hates it. <laughs> good news, Tom's wife. You're we're, getting a new car. We're car shopping. That's the, good, that, that's the upside. <laughs> the upside is we're looking for something else. <laughs> Tom is in an acoustic band. He hauls instruments for their several times per year gigs, their luggage, their dog, a guitar. Sometimes the vehicle is often loaded to the gills. That's why the Audi doesn't work. And he says those Lexus seats are really uncomfortable for Tom on longer road trips. So he's thinking about a new SUV with more roadworthy seats. That would be nice. Aaron and his daughter have an older Volvo XC90. Mm. Those seats are extremely comfortable. And Tom's old 5 Series BMW was a close second for seats. Now, what I think is interesting, and I think you're thinking the same thing I am, is that Tom's owned all these cars, 
and you have discovered yourself what you and I, Paul, always say. The two best manufacturers for seats are Volvo, followed very quickly by BMW. And you've said right here, for years. the XC90 <laughs> and your old BMW yes. 5 Series are the best seats you've been in. Yes, we totally agree. Those, those brands just kill it on seats. <laughs> Tom has considered a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid SUV, although there's not a whole lot of manufacturers that build the plug-in hybrid SUVs. Yes, true. Choices are kind of limited in that arena. So therefore, he's considered the XC90 Recharge. He says he knows the XC90 is long in the tooth, but the, the new one is actually, it's still really great. It's still really it's, great. It's still great very good drive. if you got one right now, yeah. He's also thought about that BMW X5 xDrive 50e. Mm-hmm. We've driven that as well. We had mm-hmm. a test drive on that. Yep. He says he hasn't been to look at either car. He's just played with the configurators online, and he could really use some help thinking through the issue, whether as a, whether hybrid is a good choice or not. The Lexus has about 55,000 miles uh, accumulated in three and a half years, and he doesn't see their driving decreasing in the near future. So he would like their next SUV, whatever he gets, to last mm. at least five years, preferably a bit longer. A theoretical budget would be $50,000 plus the Lexus. So that's probably... Ooh. 30 plus the 50 plus the Lexus. So probably 80? 25 to 30. I'm going to guess 70 to 80 grand, probably all in. And the RS five stays mm-hmm. I like that. Yep. Uh, that I read it as just $50,000. He's got a little bit of wiggle room. But which you is said helpful. plus the Lexus. Yeah. So Tom, look, first let's stop on the Volvo XC90 recharge. Would be great. Yes, their seats are awesome. I, I have to go to the side about plug-in hybrids for, for a moment, because again, I own one. Mm-hmm. 2017 e-hybrid Cayenne, and it has been phenomenal for us. We've had it almost a year at this point, which I can't believe. We've put uh, we've put a lot of miles on it. We've put almost 20,000 miles on it in the first year because we've taken some big road trips in it. We thoroughly enjoy it. It's been very, very good. However, I am aware, yes, I've seen the scary internet posts, that there are many people that have had issues. I say many. There have been a, a number of people that have had issues with that battery dying. If that battery dies, it's about ten grand. The for your to to trade out the battery. Are you it's serious? Seven to ten grand to get that battery replaced. What? Which leads me to a recent report that just came out in the last week. Consumer Reports, who really, whenever anybody asks me, like, what's the reliability of a twenty eighteen? I'm like Consumer Reports. Just just, <laughs> just like, go, I don't know. Just, just go, <laughs> go 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 there. Look right. it up. They have got they've <laughs> right. they've done the stuff. They've okay? got to build a business doing that. They. Yes. they actually recently released a report about reliability of powertrains. Hmm. Fascinating discovery. They used gasoline cars as a baseline. Now, keep in mind also, when they do these surveys, they're doing surveys that are asking people how well the technology worked. And sometimes that's broad. Like, you can get a car in Consumer Reports that gets a negative uh, this car doesn't work thing, and it's because you never understood the stereo. That does happen. Okay, sometimes the technology thing just freaks people out, and they count it as a problem when it's just user error. But <laughs> it, it it totally is a thing. The buyers are stupid. It, it's I, I they hate to say it incorrectly, but it's happened. <laughs> but here's the thing: they used internal combustion engine cars as a reference point for amount of problems over a time period, and they discovered that normal hybrids, which let's be honest, pretty much means Toyota product. There's some others, but mostly it means Toyota product. Non-plug-in standard hybrids typically have the same amount of problems or fewer than a typical internal combustion engine car. Hmm. And then electric cars, far more. Hmm. And then I hate to say it, plug-in hybrids, even more than that. Hmm. So all that technology... And this was a recent report. This, is, this came out in the last week. Interesting. All this technology 
creates issues. Now, I'm not saying that every one of those issues is a fault. I'm saying it created with the people that fell out the surveys for Consumer Reports problems they noted. Plug-in hybrids are doing the most things, okay? True. And at this point, all of these EV car batteries, you bought a full EV or you bought a hybrid, that battery has a shelf life. It has a life span. Mm -hmm. And at Mm -hmm. some point, it will die. And it will probably die before all of the components around it. All of that to say, if you bought an XC90 right now, do you think you'd last five years? Yes. I also think if you went with a standard hybrid, you probably would have more peace of mind. And I like our plug-in hybrid a lot. I haven't had any issues, and I hope we don't. Mm. But I am not looking at our Cayenne at 93,000 miles now. I was just in it today. It drives wonderfully. I'm not looking at that as a 200,000-mile car. Really? I'm looking at that as a car will cab to 120 or so and probably look for something else. No kidding. Okay. Because I know that that battery reality exists, and that is a thing about these plug-in hybrids right now, EVs in general. But look at that Consumer Reports thing. Keep that in mind. I don't have a problem with the XC90. I actually don't have a problem with the, the BMW X5. I'm surprised you don't have the Cayenne on your list. Agreed. You've had one before. You could get that in plug-in hybrid form. It doesn't get a lot of range, but it's excellent to drive. I don't think it's a 10-year car, but a five-year car, yes. So that's on my list. I also think you should think about non-plug-in hybrids, maybe standard hybrids or just a gasoline car. I'm going to jump off there, Tom, by using some logic. It might be twisted logic, but nevertheless, I'm going to call it logic. And that is, you said you hate your wife's Lexus. It's a myriad of reasons, I'm sure. Yeah. But for the most part, it's probably how it drives. And the seats he doesn't like. And the seats are not great. Which is a big contributor, yeah. Uh, My choices are based on something fun to drive for you as the primary focus, Mm. the primary ingredient. Because if you said you want to have it for at least five years... You want it to be fun to drive. You don't want it to just check boxes and, well, sure. it was a plug-in yeah. hybrid yeah. and it, the seats are good and I guess it carries stuff and I guess I like it and we have to keep it now because it was expensive. <laughs> don't do that. But if it's not fun to drive, first mm-hmm. and foremost, mm-hmm. you're going to want to get out of it earlier. You're That's going good. to regret That's the good. purchase and we're back to where we started. Yeah. I yeah. want That's you to excellent. have something fun to drive first. And there are SUVs that are fun to drive. And Todd's right. The Cayenne E-Hybrid is topping my list. Mm. I mean, have you considered a Maserati Gracale Trofeo? Stop. <laughs> Stop. Don't do that. You don't have to get it with the yellow paint uh-huh. that we experienced, but still. Too much money. They're, they're still much money. slightly out of your range. And from a fuel economy perspective, they do have a Formula One drive pre-combustion chamber with <laughs> twin injectors and twin spark plugs per chamber. So when you really get on it, it kind of sucks gas. But nevertheless, it's really fun to drive. It's great <laughs> Fire to drive. hoses gas <laughs> I mean, at that engine. Yeah. It's not... The uh-huh. best, but that's yeah. not why you buy the Gricale Trofeo. It's, it's really it because not. it's actually fun to drive. But if you want something that is for seventy three thousand dollars, go look at the Acura MDX Type S. That's very good. I hadn't put that on my list. That's excellent. It is excellent. The, the Type S is very excellent. good. The seats are good. It drives very well. Yeah, yeah. That that's a great one, Paul. Bravo. Those Type S seats are upgraded from the regular they old they MDX. They are sport seats. Mm-hmm. And usually we find that something that has sport seats means more support. Yep. It's supporting more places on your body. Yep. I really like the Type S MDX. They're right in your budget, I feel like, too. You fold the rear seats down. Mm-hmm. You've got plenty of cargo space. Jobs get in space. that tiger's eye pearl, crazy orange, yellow color. Mm-hmm. Those are sweet. I love them in the blue. They make a really good blue. The on blue that. is excellent. Yeah. I want you to come out to the, mm. that issue. I want your wife to love driving and be like, you know... The Lexus never really did it for me. You're right. Yeah. 
the yep. Acura MDX, this thing's a hot rod. I love driving this. It <laughs> handles so well. I mean, for an SUV, but still, it, it's crisp. There's interesting things going on. The vehicle has some dynamic character to it. Mm-hmm. Because if you last five years without an SUV that has good character, something dynamic, something interesting to drive, did we solve your problem? That's good. I've got. Did, a, did we do it? I've got a couple others that I thought of. I, that MDX Type S is excellent, Paul. I I like your XC90. I look at the recharge. It's about the same price as the Acura. The Cayenne's on my list. My wild card is Genesis. That GV80. Yes. Quite great. They've also debuted the GV80 Coupe. Which <laughs> I don't looked, understand the SUV thing with less usable looks, space. It looks I even know. better. I know. Look, the GV70 is available as a BEV. I mean, you could also get a Cybertruck, but that didn't solve anything. Don't do that. Cybertruck solves nothing, I've decided. It doesn't solve anything. It's not designed to solve anything. It's designed to be different, and it accomplishes that very, very well. So I'm leaning on the Acura. I like your Volvo. Definitely check out the BMW. I'm not really sold on that X-Drive 50. There there was just too much complexity going on, and they sort of lost their focuses. Like, oh, that's right. We are BMW. Mm. We do need to make a brilliant driving SUV. Whatever we build, it just needs to be brilliant. We kind of forgot mm. about that in that particular version, so I'm leaning on this. And the Cayenne e-hybrid is just, you can't go wrong. It's I really like ours. I've been a huge fan, and I'm expecting it to be great for us for a while. Recale Trofeo. Don't do that. Tom. Don't do that. Maserati. <laughs> just say it. Tom, I, I'm wondering how much, see, the, the Lexus Egg started the revolution that is the current SUV, or revolution or plague, depending on how to look at it. <laughs> the, the thing is, it's not a huge SUV. It's no, really not. No. So it actually makes me wonder about the Genesis GV70 over the 80. The 70 is much more interesting to drive. Yeah. And the 70 actually, you get it in the upper trim with the good uh, turbo V6 engine. That actually might be as much space as the Lexus. And it has excellent seats. And it will drive better than the Lexus every single day of its life. So the GV70, I really, really like. <laughs> the the Mercedes GLE, oh. get the bottom, or the GLC, get the, what I don't know how much space you need, but get the bottom AMG trim with the really good seats. Some of the best seats I have sat in, period. E63 AMG. I'm serious. Seriously, those seats, watch any of our uh, AMG Mercedes reviews. And again, we typically get the upper level trim, but in the E, I think it was, we got the lower AMG. So the smaller engine, plenty of power, but still have the great seats. Yeah. yeah. So those make really, really good seats. You need to look at those. Also, I'm going to give you a warning. Anything you buy, Tom, is going to cost more to maintain than that Lexus. The trade-off. Let's just let's just put it <laughs> out there. It's true. It's true. But the trade-off <laughs> is you're going to get better seats and you're going to enjoy being in it. And isn't that the point? I mean, only at that point. If we solve fun to drive and seats, I feel like we won. Like we all won, Tom. Like Hopefully. victory. Like we yes. can hold our heads high. But if you muddy the waters with checking the boxes and we kind of got there and it's and it's just going to be another boring SUV, just kind of. It's the next one. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to just have the next one. I want you, because you're spending some money here. And you're also spending real time in this vehicle. Yes. If you have a debate like Tom's, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and car debates. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
as always, you guys are great with questions on social media. There's some good ones, but I want to I want to speak to a global kind of question and comment real quick. <laughs> uh, you cannot see this podcast, but yes, I currently have a goatee. I will probably have it for some time. Those of you that are that that don't have never seen this before, were freaked out by it. The Grikali piece. I will let you know that Friday's video was shot before I grew it out over the winter, so it right. do, I do not have it there. But in general, going forward, I have a goatee. <laughs> and it's not. This is not evil, Todd. I love all the sci-fi commentary that has come out. That it's now like the the, the dark universe. Yeah, I, is there is a mirror Todd. universe? Exactly. <laughs> That's not what's going on. Here's the thing. I got I got married clean shaven, and then I promptly grew a goatee after we got married. My wife loved it. I had one for a long time, and a couple of years or a year or so before we started the show full time, I was like, if I'm going to be on camera, I should be clean shaven. I don't know why I decided that, but I did. <laughs> so I, I have typically. You can attest, Paul. Every Christmas in our like little sabbatical there we're not filming i typically grow my goatee back out it's over christmas yeah this year i grew it out and just went i'm just gonna keep it (laughs) so here it is (laughs) whatever so that's happening now so i I, there there's no evil todd it's just i now have a goatee you will see it on camera at some point uh still me well when you told me that i was like oh yeah i forgot to notice well you've seen all of the above i've seen it and i was just like Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, you, I forgot. You didn't even think about it. Okay, yeah. it's going to be on. Okay, but whatever. many, many people have never seen me with my hair pulled back or a goatee. So some people actually thought it was a different person in the car with you. No, no, still me. <laughs> Eric P. on Facebook asks if we think there's any way we can break the American habit of buying SUVs and crossovers. Mm. Is this or a new bloated and an unnecessary reality? I think it will continue. Yeah. It's ingrained now. I mean, everybody, <laughs> my favorite part of SUVs is what Todd has said about them. They're so perfect because you just open the door and stop walking. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> that's how you get in. Yes. It does really work for many people, and that's why my grandfather discovered SUVs, and he, he dug them, mm-hmm. and it does help. That higher seat height, people like to ride up high. There's more cargo space, just like we debated for Tom. There, there is space for your instruments and your yes. dog yes, yes. and luggage and all that stuff. They are quite handy. But for this to continue, Eric, I agree with you, even though it's unspoken, I'm reading between the lines, the manufacturers around the world need to continue to make them better to drive. They need to be lighter, mm-hmm. powerful, and better to drive. Overall, they just drive amazing. Like this SUV just shouldn't do this. It, sh- it shouldn't be like this. And yet it does. That's the reason to spend the money on them. If they're going to continue to be around, because I admit they are really handy. They're useful. <laughs> they are useful. Yes, I agree. Jordan is reaching out and saying, hang on, uh, he's wondering about that bright yellow $19,000 yellow paint of that Gracale parked next to the quite similarly painted but not nearly as expensive Lotus Elise that I have in yellow. (laughs) He said, if both of those are parked in a garage and the garage door goes up, what song is playing? He actually thinks it's Coldplay's song, Yellow, playing in the corner. Is that a fantastic like movie moment? And somebody did better. They did the old yellow Oh Yeah song from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> oh. Bom, bom, that is the one that's playing. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the one that's playing, and that is a fantastic little movie moment of the garage door goes up and you have those two completely ridiculous yellow cars side by side. <laughs> and then you... Bow, bow. See, exactly. It just... It, it's, it's infectious. <laughs> it's infectious. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there's a reference back to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. If you've never seen it, do yourself a favor. Watch that movie right now. Highly recommend it. If you have the means. <laughs> Jared B is tapping into my my love for mid-century modern furniture. So there's a new game. The first one is take for myself, take for my guest, or take mm, to the curb. Okay. 
Eames Lounge Chair, Barcelona Chair, and the Jacobson Egg Chair. If you don't know any of these chairs, they are famous designs. You have seen them in corporate lobbies. You've seen them on sets of TV shows and movies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You've seen them in people's homes. Well, they're not recreations. They're continuations. They're still actual authentic versions continuing to be built by mostly Noel. But I actually own a Barcelona chair, Jared. I really like the Barcelona chair. Did you know that it was designed for the king and queen of Spain back in 1928, I believe? I've always loved it. So that is for myself and for my guest. I will take the Eames lounge chair. The Eames lounge chair is such a classic. Looks good in any decor, any time. And even though the Jacobson egg chair is very cool, it's, it's, it's iconic. Yeah. It's iconic men in black, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah. I will take that to the curb. I, I mean, no disrespect. Can Arnie you Jacobson. see one of those sitting on the curb with one of those hand drawn free signs on it? I'd be like, I'm taking that <laughs> college kids dumping stuff yeah. into the semester. You don't Here's know what you my have. egg chair. <laughs> don't know what you have. Anthony Zerg says he has a GT86. He's written in about it before. He said it's fun. It's his fun chuck around daily work car. He loves it. He can't think of any reason to sell it except for the possibility that if his kids no longer fit in the back, maybe he'll have to. But then if he's so happy, why is he craving an I-20N? Anthony, two thoughts here. First off, uh, the N cars from Hyundai are actually remarkably fun. Yes, they are. So that is the thing. You're talking about the same reasons we love the Fiesta ST. It's just those little front-wheel drive chuckable hatches are so much fun. And something about the cheap ones, you don't feel any responsibility. Mm. You just, you're just going to drive it for fun. Plus, they have those little turbo motors that have punch in the middle of the, of the power band, which is where your GT86 does not have punch. So it is an alt and still small, light, and fun. I get it. I totally do. Jorge M on Facebook says, so there's there's C8 monetary units. We've established that. Yes. Uh-huh. What denomination does the Maserati yellow get? Because if you've now watched the video, <laughs> you will discover, Todd just mentioned it, the paint on that is $19,000. It is more than Porsche paint to sample paint. That is not a misprint. That was on the Monroni that we were given. 19000 US dollars for the paint. Chance actually found out that paint is still available. That was the launch edition color. Mm-hmm. Giallo yeah, yeah. Corsa was the launch edition color on that Gricale Trofeo. The website, the configurator, is not available. Chance discovered that you cannot get that anymore on the Trofeo version, but it is still available on the, the GT and, of course, the MC20 for no extra charge. That because they're cars, charging you so much more for the cars. cars already yeah. cost a whole mm-hmm. lot more money. So what do we get? Pickle Fork uniqueness tax, additional flashy markup. <laughs> I guess we'll leave it at launch edition, but that will not stop car manufacturers from making special paint colors, which I appreciate them doing. They just don't really need to cost $19,000. Nin- yeah, $19,000. Let me put it this paint. way. That will ease the paint. It wasn't 20 grand for the paint. It wasn't 20. This, this paint it's is definitely all, not 20 grand. It's all about yes. context, mm-hmm. right? Akim on Twitter, he's written in a lot of times. He says, how do you overcome, this is interesting, overcome the fear of left-hand corners during spirited canyon driving. So imagine this, he's driving on the right side of the road. He said he finds himself more comfortable attacking right-handers, so turning right, because if he over or understeers, at least he has the other lane as security, if there's no oncoming traffic, of course, with the left, not so much. Akim, are you, are you finding the edge often? Because that's what concerns me here. Mm. Are you finding the edge often? Look, look, I think the other thing that's happening here is the sensation of the different sides of the car. I think that's a factor. I think the car you're driving is a factor. What I would encourage you to do is, is just do more. I think it's, it's practice more than anything. 
And you, I mean, yeah, there's air, there's space. If you're turning right, I see it, but you don't want to be in that lane. No, there, no. there's an imaginary wall at that, at that, uh, lane line. <laughs> yeah. You do not want to cross it. There's no space either way. I think it, there's a visual space out that window that's giving you that impression. I also think that if you're driving as I think you probably are, which is inside the edges of the car, just know, train yourself. It's going to take time. Remember when I used to rock climb, when I wouldn't climb for a while, I would get out of the conditioning to be like, well, this is no big deal. I'd get on the wall again and be like, this is a big deal. This feels like a big deal right now. Okay? So I think it, yeah. there's a level of brain conditioning. If you know you're well within the capability of the car, if you did that corner going right, then intellectually you have to kind of convince yourself, I have to be okay mm-hmm. and keep the speeds within range you know you're going to make the corner and then you're fine. Okay, since we're talking about Maserati. Oh, yes. And got paint. two more questions over oh, okay. here on Instagram that I do want to address. Jared Rose, one, notice the inconsistency with our thoughts between the Gracali and the Levante. You're the, not a Levante fan. The, the lifted. Yes, the lifted. We have the Quattroporte, four doors. <laughs> now we have lifted SUV. Jared asks, why the praise for the Gracali, but the disdain for the Levante, especially when the Levante arguably had a more charismatic V8 engine that shared lineage with several Ferraris. Do parts bend parts on the Levante really inform the criticism of a car that significantly? Yes, because both brands are Italian. Although I will admit there's Stelvio in the Gracale. We're still doing some sharing there. Mm -hmm. But the Levante styling, first of all, feels like interim styling. It felt like at the Mm -hmm. time Maserati Mm -hmm. didn't have a a look to them. Where is it with the new Gracale, the Gran Turismo, and the MC20 and Future? You know the Levante is going to be redesigned to look like the older brother of the Gracale. It will completely leave its current styling behind, and I saw too much Stellantis influence. Mm. I saw Jeep Grand Cherokee window switches in the Levante, and I was immediately turned off. Sure, yeah. Because for double the price, it shouldn't have that. Even though, again, I know, I admit, there's... Platform sharing, there's Stelvioness in the Gracale. Yeah, shared switches and stuff still exist in there for sure, yeah. But it's the most of it is the engine, just mm. like you addressed. I like that it didn't feel like Maserati has to go beg Ferrari for an engine. Mm. The engine that the, well, actually the, the uh, Trofeo version, it has the Natuno engine, which is not shared with any other brand in the Stellantis portfolio. It is Maserati, designed for Maserati, built in Italy. It is... Maserati flavor. I like that Maserati has really now and continuing to become now its own car company again, rather than, hey, Ferrari, hey, can we have an engine to put on our car? The fact that they have a unique engine to them is is quite profound. I do give you that. That's kept it in customers' mindsets, in mm. my opinion, mm. being the car that you didn't try hard enough to obtain. Mm, Interesting, okay. How come you only worked your way up to middle management? You couldn't, you didn't become (laughs) VP, you couldn't afford the Ferrari, huh? So you have to settle for the Maserati. Whereas now this- (laughs) Do you know how much Maseratis cost? Anyway, sorry. I know, but still, it feels like it's more justified because this is our own flavor. We didn't ask for it. We didn't didn't need Ferrari's help. We're doing our own thing over Mm, here. mm. And that's what I love about it. You're going to see, I think, the Nettuno engine in a higher horsepower trim put in the new Levante. It will be bigger. It will copy the Gracale in styling. You're probably right. And we will forget this interim version. The same thing happened to the Quattroporte. I think the new Quattroporte will look like a four-door GT. 
probably. Yeah. It would look better than the current version, which I didn't really appreciate. It mm. seems like that styling era of they're actually currently on sale now. Yeah. Avante and Quattroporte are sort of like, yeah, I'm not sure what it's trying to be. We're getting it to the next know. version. Yeah, interesting. The next versions will be solidly Maserati. It won't mm. have to beg mm. anybody else for part sh- I mean, there's part sharing, but you know what I mean? There's not yeah. going to be this uh, kind of hanging on to another brand to establish itself. Then over here, Trevor Reich also says it's different, difficult for him to believe that current designers are car enthusiasts. He thinks they're more tech and computer people. Mm. Everything is becoming mm. gimmicky. What are our thoughts there? They've got a design brief. I mean, Simon Burke says they're giving a design brief, which is impossible to satisfy everyone. And I'm fine with that. The more cars and car companies mm. try to not be everything to everyone will differentiate themselves and will only attract that following. Let's not try to do everything to yeah, everybody. Yeah, that's good. There's a certain amount of tech and a design brief and a level of standards that everybody comes to expect. Heated steering wheels, heated seats. Well, yeah, that should just yeah, be yeah. part of the trim or whatever. Mm-hmm. Apple CarPlay, like the basics. That's why we never talk about that stuff. It should just have it. Yeah. <laughs> Comes with car. Yes. But I think there's true enthusiasts. They do have a tall order in their design brief. They are absolutely enthusiasts. And as they focus and get their products more focused on, this is our brand. This is our ethos. This is our thing that will attract like-minded people. They're longtime customers. Mm. That will only be a good thing. But they've got a lot of people to satisfy. I've always looked at the design team as the people in the center of everything, they've got to satisfy marketing. Mm-hmm. They've got to satisfy the le- the legal team. Yes. They've got to keep the engineers happy who just want to build a box. And I, I'm kidding, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah. They've got to satisfy the people who build the thing. Just mm-hmm. make it easy for us to make, would you please? <laughs> and then they've got to make something beautiful for themselves too, to, yeah, yeah, to stir their soul for the passion of their craft. They've mm-hmm. got to make art. Mm-hmm. I'm a peacock. I got to fly, right? <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Write to us again. You know where to find us. And we're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.